For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Believe in Badger Football podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, brought to you by betonline.ag. I'm your host, Matt Perkins. On tonight's show, it's our official Big Ten Conference preview with Josh Cook and Corey Burton of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. And as you guys know, we are brought to you by betonline.ag. The football season is in full swing, and while you may not be at the game this year, you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. Guys, the Big Ten is finally back this week, which means that Bet Online has their odds out to win the conference title for wagering. Obviously, the odds favor Ohio State, but there are plenty of other teams who have a good shot at the title, unless your name is Rutgers. So we will get into those odds here in just a second, but between all your game spreads and totals, team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else online. Plus, there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head on over to betonline.ag today to take advantage of all of their great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, guys, welcome back to the Believe in Badgers podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Matt Perkins, and I'm delighted to be joined by my two very close friends from over at the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast, Josh Cook and Corey Burton. The guys are going to help me break down the Big Ten Conference in terms of title odds, division odds, and over-unders for the conference this season. Uh, guys, thanks so much for joining me. Uh, Josh, you are uh, an Iowa fan despite being a Badger alum, so I know that you're excited for the Hawkeyes to get started this season. Am I? Well, I mean, it, <laughs> it's a little bit of off-season controversy to uh, put it in a very big understatement. Yeah, there's just a little lawsuit going on right now. No big deal. Well, a potential lawsuit. I, I thought they filed. Uh, it was more like a threatening letter that they sent and kind of made it sound like they would file it out. The situation's very fluid. Uh, let's not pretend to be legal experts. Uh, well, let, let's just say you want to send a cease and desist to Brian Farron so he won't coach anymore. <laughs> uh, whatever it takes. All right. Well, uh, let's hop right into it in the East, guys. Um, the Buckeyes are once again the prohibitive favorites. Minus 350 odds to win the conference. Coach, they are led by quarterback Justin Fields and... Uh, as a coach, and he was down at your alma mater there for a season at Georgia, uh, what do you expect to see out of him in his junior season? And then to piggyback off of that, the Buckeyes, are uh, their season win total is at eight and a half wins, which means that the book is expecting them basically to run the table and win the conference title game. What do you see happening? Well, I mean, this group is just as talented uh, as they were last year. I, I expect to see Justin Fields. Put up another Heisman-worthy uh, type campaign. I don't. I don't know if he will 
uh, best our our guy down at Clemson and uh, Sunshine uh, Trevor Lawrence. But I mean, if there was a system perfectly designed and perfectly suited for a quarterback, it would be Ohio State and Justin Fields, and what he does is just. Uh, perfect for what Ryan Day wants to accomplish at the quarterback spot, uh, even more so than anybody that – I mean, I, I think, you know, this might be one of the most – since Tim Tebow, one of the most successful Urban Meyer system type quarterbacks. And, and yeah, I know it's Ryan Day, but it's still the Urban Meyer system. So uh, I, I think this is the best best quarterback prospect since Tim Tebow. And I think Justin Fields will have a really successful pro career. Yeah, I, I think that Fields is definitely has more of a pro career ahead of him than Tebow did because he's just much more of a natural thrower. Oh, yeah. Jo- I mean, the ball come, the ball just burst out of his hands. Josh, uh, how do you see the Ohio State team finishing out this season? Do you think that they will be able to run the table in the conference? Ooh, I don't know. We should probably uh, look at their schedule to do that. But what I wanted to say was, you know, Justin Fields is getting all the clippings as he should, and, and Coach – a great job of highlighting him but what's scary for big 10 fans is the receiving core appears to be outstanding on paper they have a lot of other talented skill positions as you'd expect and then on top of that their offensive line is legitimately one of the best in the entire country so you are sort of thinking to yourself all right ohio state's probably going to average about 35 points per game do we score that against them? And the answer for most teams in the league is going to be no. Yeah, so let, let's take a look at their schedule really quick. They open up with Nebraska at home. Uh, Josh, I think that's a win. Well, I mean, you know, Martinez is going to have to go off, but uh, I don't think any of us are expecting that to happen. Martinez in his, like, 14th season of eligibility. Well, according to Scott Frost, they have two starting quarterbacks. So, so uh, that means they have none, right? Either that or the Steve Sprayer thing. Yeah, yeah, well, because uh, we saw how that worked with anyone not named Danny Werfel. Um, October 31st, second week of the season, going to be the biggest challenge for them on the year. And that is when they have to head to Happy Valley and take on Penn State. So, Josh, do you think that Penn State will be the biggest challenger for them in the East? I would say yes, but don't want to be too hacky and say that Penn State will be declawed in this game. But... The Big Ten's not allowing fans. So what would be a Halloween whiteout crowd going crazy is going to be a almost entirely empty stadium. I can't remember if the Big Ten decided family can go or not. But either way, that thing's going to be a empty stadium for the most part. So kind of throw out the home field advantage and you take talent to talent. Penn State is not as deep as the Buckeyes. Yeah, definitely not. Um, you know, and, and especially, you know, we're not sure if Journey Brown's going to be able to play for them either. Uh, November 7th and 14th, they've got Rutgers at home and then they're at Maryland. Those should be two relatively easy wins unless you think that Maryland is on the come up. I don't think they're there quite yet, coach. No, they're not. Um, just simply put, they're not. And, and I think it's going to be, uh, you know, honestly, it, it's going to be hard in, in such a weird season to, to find somebody that's going to challenge the Buckeyes. I think the Buckeyes have a good chance. Uh, probably not as probably not as easy as Clemson is running through the ACC, but I think it'll be similar just because of the way they're built. I, I think the teams that could potentially give them problems, Penn State's one of them. 
uh, Michigan, possibly, maybe, I don't know, and then Wisconsin. But other than that, you know, I, I think, you know, Iowa has too many distractions. Minnesota just, well, they're Minnesota. Well, and they don't even have those guys in the regular season. So, I mean, Josh, I mean, they finish out their schedule. They got Indiana at home, at Illinois, at Michigan State, and then they finish up with the game uh, at home against Michigan. I don't really see them getting tripped up unless they have a big COVID outbreak, which I guess you can never uh, you know, completely discount in this season. No, and I, I mean, the other thing is, hate to say it, but sometimes teams just don't bring their A game and. For Ohio State, they've got their target on their back. I always think about the Jim Tressel era, their national title in 2002, Maurice Claret. The team was great, and yet they needed last-second heroics on the road against a terrible Illinois team that year. And so, you know, you figure they're going to get up for Penn State and Michigan. What if Indiana just catches light in a bottle? You know, uh, my Hawkeyes did a few years ago where they had a bunch of interceptions. They got just an absolute killer day and everything came together for the Hawkeyes. It's COVID, it's injuries, or that fluke game. And at that point, you're kind of betting on nature and God versus Ohio State. I, I think I'll take Ohio State. Yeah, I, I think I am too. Well, uh, Penn State is you know the next team with the next best odds. Uh, when it comes to regular season wins uh, at our friends over at Bet Online, they have them at over under at seven wins. So they're they're expecting them basically to go seven and one uh, with a one sole loss. We would assume to be against Ohio State. Josh, uh, what are you looking forward to in terms of the Nits this year? Well, you got Sean Clifford at quarterback. Um, pretty good career so far. Obviously, back McSorley. <laughs> uh, Got to see how he ends it. Um, the wide receiver core, not the most experienced in the league, uh, offensive lines, pretty good. So offense, I'm not too worried about, uh, the defense though, has a lot of new faces and that is one of the, uh, the bigger concerns, obviously Micah Parsons no longer there. If their defense, which was pretty good last year, 347 yards per game, 16 points per game. If their defense doesn't fall off totally, you can see why they've got such high praise. With the most unprecedented offseason that has probably ever happened since the World Wars, we don't know what those new faces are going to be like. That's what makes doing these prediction shows a total crapshoot, unlike most years. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Coach, the one guy I really love on this Penn State team, though, is Pat Firemuth, the tight end. He is an absolute animal. Yeah, he is. I mean, he, he is a absolute uh, absolute playmaker. I can't spit that out for some reason. Um, you know, he's drawing, uh, you know, he's drawing comparisons to Mike Gesicki. He's, uh, he's already tied his school record for touchdown catches by a tight end with 15. I mean, he's a guy that's just a big target uh, in there in the, in the red zone, just somebody that Clifford can – can rely on and, and, and just that guy that's always there. And and when you look at a tight end, when you look at the tight end position, Matt, you know, it's, it's re really reassuring for the quarterback to have that guy um, and know where he is at all times. And for defenses, it can provide nightmare, nightmare uh, matchups and, and matchup problems and, 
defensive coordinators to lose sleep trying to figure out who's going to cover Pat Fryermuth. Yeah, well, let, let's head over then to Michigan, who, Josh, they are down. Uh, if if Penn State is up with Pat Frymuth, you know, as one of their best receivers coming back, Nico Collins has decided to opt out really late here in the process. And there is a lot of uncertainty on this Michigan squad, which Bet Online has slated for over under uh, six and a half wins. I think they hit the under. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a team that of the contenders, which. I would say Michigan is probably the the cut line of contenders in the East. They have by far the most unknowns. Um, You look at their defense, top three tacklers are gone. Okay. There's something we got to build on. Um, Then on offense, well, the offense was pretty uneven, to say the least. In the second half of the season, uh, the offense just wasn't, cutting it so it's yeah it's just i hate to be a broken record but michigan just feels like a team that will win the games they should but not surprise you against penn state or ohio state i just don't see the the legs there yeah coach you know it it just seems like josh was saying uh, another year another inevitable disappointment for the Wolverines in the Jim Harbaugh era. And we got to start to wonder, you know, is, you know, is, is this the end for Harbaugh at his alma mater? Is he going to you know take a new job soon? What do you think is going through his head at this point? It's got to be. I mean, it's very, very difficult to, you know, turn down the NFL. You know, you, you've got these NFL uh, people calling, you, you know, there's going to be, you know, there's probably going to be another six, seven jobs available in the NFL like there always is. And, you know, he's fended off, he's fended them off for the last couple of years. He's been rumored to go here, there, and everywhere. And, and so uh, I think this is the year that finally happens. You know, there's all that distraction. I think Harbaugh has realized that this recruiting thing is really taking its toll on him. And that I, I think if anybody in the NFL gives him a shot, he might just – I mean, he's more suited for the NFL, honestly. I mean, I know he's a Michigan man and he knows the Michigan landscape. But when it comes to, like, the college game, he's a West Coast guy um, as far as that goes. I mean, he made his hay at Stanford. He made his contacts at Stanford. I, I just – it just feels like he doesn't quite understand what Big Ten football is and how it's modified in 2020 or, or even, you know, 2016 and on. Um, cause I, a, I don't think he's gotten modern. Uh, he still has, he still has somebody carrying around a cable on the sideline behind him with the, with the headset, like, like they did in the nineties. <laughs> um, you know, he's sponsored by dockers. I think, I think he's the only person that buys dockers now. Um, you know, I, I just think it's, you know, disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. If I'm Michigan brass, I've got to I've got to decide, is it worth it to keep him around? Or can we get somebody more dynamic? And, you know, if there's somebody more dynamic out there that you have a chance at, do you pull the trigger? Maybe. Um, you know, de- depending on how the season goes, which I, I really don't think it's going to – I really don't think it's going to go well uh, for Michigan. I, I think they're they're missing a lot of pieces. You know, uh, McCaffrey, Dylan McCaffrey is not quite what they had expected or hoped. Maybe it's just a, a bad system fit. I, I don't know. Um, Josh Gaddis is a, is a very talented coach, but I, I just don't think a lot of that's under his control as far as 
uh, being the offensive coordinator. I'd like to see him in another scenario to see to get a really true uh, read on on whether or not he's you know a good offensive coordinator. So a lot of lot of variables in place for this Michigan team, and they've got to overcome a lot of different things. Um, both on offense and defense. So Yeah, Coach, you mentioned Josh Gaddis, and I think that if you are a Wolverine fan, he is sort of the beacon of hope that you have. He's a coach that I have been very impressed by in his young career, and he's a guy who, from the people I've talked to, is just talented, personable, energetic, and really is able to build relationships with players and develop them and get the best out of them. So if I'm a Michigan fan, that's what I want to hear. But I mean, maybe, maybe maybe Harbaugh moves on. And if he doesn't go with them to the NFL, maybe they promote him uh, to, to the, to the big chair. And, and I think he's going to make a good head coach for somebody. Yeah, he'll make a good head coach for somebody sooner rather than later. But, you know, at, at least for the time being, Michigan fans have to hope that, you know, he is able to work his magic for that offense, which is going to need some some serious work done this year. If Michigan falls out, uh, you know, I think the team that can really pop into the maybe not the upper, upper echelon of the East, but at least the next step seems to be Indiana. Josh, they are slated at four and a half uh, wins for their over under by bet online. And it looks like the, you know, Tom Allen squad should be competitive, at least in most games that, 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 that they play. I'm very intrigued by the Utah transfer quarterback, Jack Tuttle, who is right now listed as the backup, but I think may get a shot sooner like rather Tuttle. than later. You like Tuttles. Yeah, you know, Indiana is one of those teams where we keep kind of picking them. We kind of love them. We, 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 we kind of secretly love them. On, we kind of secretly love them. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the quarterback position is going to be intriguing. You mentioned the, the transfer. They also have uh, Michael Penix, who played at times last year. Um, They're hoping to grow him. Uh, in addition to those quarterbacks, you have eight starters returning on offense. That's a nice bit. Uh, the defense looked pretty good at times, especially early in the season. Uh, kind of fell off the back end. And that's sort of been the mo of indiana where uh they are competitive now with their starters it's the two deep that they still need to fill in um and so when they have an injury it's just magnified you know ohio state has an injury it goes from a five star to another five star or at worst five star to a four star for indiana you know their starters are up to mostly three stars and a few four stars but their backups are like Low two threes, star kids. two star kids, maybe a couple yeah. walk-ons. So, yeah. so for Indiana to make that leap, uh, we're looking for that defense to be consistent, not in-game, but start to finish for the season. Yeah, Coach, one of the things that intrigues me, though, about the defense over there at Indiana is the fact they're running sort of like this modified four-two-five, And I think that as this game evolves, we're going to see more and more, and we've already started to see more and more teams, you know, just their base defense is – five dbs or at least five guys who can run like dbs yeah i mean that's that's kind of where the game is evolving to i mean you're starting to see a lot of uh the the biggest trend is the three day the the three deep safeties and then you know i guess whatever uh play whatever underneath but um you know you're starting to see some of that stuff too and you know it's really interesting kind of what indiana is doing over there uh defensively i'm 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 really interested to study them a little bit more and, and try to figure out exactly how that system works and how they, you know, how they get guys um, 
in certain spots and, and, you know, just kind of how they align and play different formations. Um, I will say this about Indiana. Um, I, I, I know a fan base uh, that shouldn't, but absolutely does hate Indiana right now. And that's, that's UT, that's Tennessee. Uh, they absolutely hate um, Indiana right now for, for collapsing in the bowl game and, and, and allowing Jeremy Pruitt to believe Jared Guarantano uh, can get it done. <laughs> so uh, you, you know, there's some, uh, you know, you know, there's some hatred there. So uh, Indiana, you, know, you just got to figure out how to play better down the stretch. I mean, you know, I think scheme wise, they're great. I, I just think they need to build depth. You know, I, I think they got guys in the right position. I, I think they have a good beat on what opposing offenses are trying to do against them. But they just got to, you know, they just got to continue to find a way to recruit. Um, they've got to recruit their home state uh, a little bit better. I, I think there is some talent to be had there. Uh, but most of that talent uh, is going to either go to Notre Dame or go out of state to Ohio State, Michigan, you know, wherever. Um, and, and so they've got to do a better job of closing down their borders. I mean, you could say that about any school, but. Uh, you know, Indiana, especially, I, I think if they could do well in Indianapolis, I think they would, uh, I think you would start to kind of see them, uh, see them pop a little bit. So um, just, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see kind of how they, how they fit, because they could definitely overachieve and make some noise. They're kind of like the Kentucky of, of the big 10 where, you know, they're gonna, you know, they could go, they could either be a complete dumpster fire or they could sit there and win 10 wins and everybody scratching their head going, how did they win 10 games? So I will say this Bloomington, one of my favorite road trips in the big 10. Have, have you ever played sink the biz? Nope. No, it's a, okay. So I had a friend that went to Indiana law school, right. And uh, we went and visited him. It was during the summer. It wasn't even during football season or anything, but uh, we went up there and uh, they had this game. Uh, I forget the name of the bar. They're all the only one, the only bar, the only place I remember in uh, Bloomington is uh, is Kilroy's on Kirkpatrick. There's a place called Kilroy's, and it was on Kirkpatrick. Uh, that was the name of the place. Very original. Um, but there was this other place we went to, and I kind of I kind of re- wish I would have stayed a little bit longer, um, but I had to I had to leave uh, and and come on back home so I could be at work at Monday morning. And uh, so there's this game where you fill up you know, a, a bucket of beer and you, you take a glass and it's like a big bucket and you take a glass and you fill it up a little bit. So, th- so that, so that it doesn't like flip over on you, but, and then you just take, you just take beer and, and pour it, pour it in the glass and whoever, uh, whoever sinks it has to pull it out and chug it. That's a, that, that's a new one. I have not, I'm not familiar with that one. Yeah. Um, so, so whoever pulls it out. Yeah. Now, um, I, I have been down for Little Five before, which is a lot of fun. What's but, that one? Oh, well, Little Five is there, the University of Indiana version of the Indianapolis 500. Um, yeah. It's basically just an, an excuse to be even more wasted than usual on a weekend. So uh, what's the name of the game? Well, it's not a game. L- L- little Five is like for like Little 500, like Indy 500. And they have these um, like races and stuff that they do. It's a whole... It's a whole oh, thing. Okay. We need to, we, we, we don't need to get into that right now. We need to keep moving on. Uh, let's get to Michigan State, who has a new head coach, Mel Tucker. Uh, coach he, the, he, won't, he won't be there very long. 
Well, he wasn't at Colorado very long. Uh, exactly. He, and, he said, I'm going to stay, and then he left. To go to yeah, he left like a week after he said he was going to stay. They're, well, only, they're over under is uh, three wins this season. And frankly, you know, they've cleaned house, and I don't have a lot of expectations for, for them this year. No, I mean, the, I guess you can say that there's nowhere to go up for that offense. Their offense was dreadful last year, 22 points per game rash of turnovers just they were stuck in neutral i'd like to say all season long but really it's been kind of a trend the last two three years there as the d'antonio era came to an end and the defense is going to have six new starters so a lot of turnover all over the place starting with the head man you figure if mel tucker is there for the long haul you treat this as a glorious honeymoon season of playing all your youngest players, breaking them in, and try and get caught up to have 2021 hit the ground running and just treat this as, you know, nine scrimmages and and take your lumps. Yeah, I think that's pretty much what you have to do, Coach, because, you know, they're not... It's going to be a bigger rebuild, I think, than people really realize because that that program has been pretty decimated by more honestly off the field stuff than on the field stuff. Yeah, and and if he stays long term, which you know I hope for his sake he does stay long term because he just needs to stay long term somewhere. Um, I, I think you know you were starting to kind of see what he was doing in Colorado. He was starting to really recruit uh, well at Colorado. Um, for for their standards and and I think he was you know two or three years away from going above uh, what normal Colorado standards are as far as recruiting goes so I think he's got a system in place and he's got a staff around him and brought a lot of guys from Colorado with him that I I think he can get it done uh, at at Michigan State eventually this year's going to be rough but I think he can get it done if he, if he hangs in there, stays uh, throughout the uh, throughout the long haul. You have an offensive coordinator who's familiar with this conference, Jay Johnson. He spent some time um, at the uh, University of Minnesota. He was a goof, um, and he uh, he joined with Kirby Smart uh, at Georgia. That's where he met Coach Tucker, and he was kind of like the he was kind of uh, Buster Faulkner's role uh, for Kirby uh, when when Kirby first took over. The, uh, the analyst that helped offensive coordinator uh, Jim Chaney kind of with the uh, off-the-field quarterback development stuff. So he's really good at, at, at doing that stuff. And, and I think you saw um, the quarterbacks develop during his time there. When he left, you saw a huge drop-off in that. So uh, there's some talent there as far as that goes. And, you know, I, I don't know much about Scotty Hazleton as defensive coordinator, but uh, I imagine Mel Tucker being a defensive coordinator himself will – you know, we'll have his stamp on, on that unit. So, um, you know, Michigan state is definitely in good hands if it's long-term or if he stays long-term. But uh, one of the things I worry about with Mel Tucker is he has commitment issues. And so, and, and Michigan state is a, is a team that needs somebody uh, to, to come in and build the program and build it the right way. So um, I'm excited for the hire. Uh, I think they did a good job with the hire um, if he stays long-term. Here's what Michigan State is planned for. They're planned for uh, Nick Saban to eventually retire at Alabama, be a commentator for a few years, and then pull a Mac Brown and head on back to his glory days of the 90. I mean, uh, he's going to hire Plaxico Burris as his uh, wide receivers coach. And he's gonna oh, hire not his sergeant at arms? <laughs> <laughs> 
um, let's quickly head down oh, to boy. Maryland. Mike Loxley oh, in his second boy. season has a super duper young team. Josh Does Loxley have more uh, seasons coached or wins at this point. Uh, it's I, I I think that's a push. I think we're at about five of each. Um, and you know, their over under is two wins and, you know, outside of Rutgers, I'm not sure who they can beat. Um, I think the biggest thing for them might be the fact that they have, uh, they have Tagovailoa light to his little brother, Talia Tagovailoa, uh, transferred in. Oh, wouldn't you know he's a quarterback? So obviously he got a waiver to play immediately. He is listed as the co-starter for week one. He's the brother of new dolphin starter. Yeah. Alongside, uh, alongside redshirt freshman Lance uh, Legendre. And this is just, if, if you look up and down this team, man, they have almost no experience coming back. And it, it, it's going to be really tough sledding for them, Josh. Yeah, I mean, this preview is pretty simple. Uh, Maryland finished DFL in defense last year in the conference. I don't care how good the new players are. If their defense isn't, at least got a pulse. It's going to be another long season. They they gave up points in droves last year. Yeah, they 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 really did. And honestly, coach, there's not a whole lot to add to that. And there's not a whole lot to say about Rutgers either. Besides the fact that Greg Schiano is back, what is old besides is besides the fact they're looking at Georgia Tech and going, "Come on, man, really?" <laughs> um, because you know it's Rutgers, man. What is old is new again. We've got. Greg Schiano back. And, you know, if you look at their depth chart, it's just a bunch of transfers and JUCOs and, you know, a, a bunch of guys you sit, you, you've sit you've seen elsewhere. They're excited about Arthur Sitkowski. Are they? <laughs> no, he's not even like he's listed as a co-starter. Yeah. Um, who, I was being sarcastic. Yeah, well. Because, look, here, here's all you need to know about Rutgers last year. They scored 59 points on 159 points on the season. 92 of those 159 points came in two games. One against definitely an FCS opponent. Is that yep. And then yeah. one one against it's going to be like whatever the worst team in the MAC is. Yeah. 67 points in their other 10 games. Do a little arithmetic. I believe that's 6.7, which is less than a touchdown per game. Rutgers is the opposite of Maryland. I don't care about the new faces. I don't care about the youth. I don't care who they're breaking in. Unless that offense shows any sort of pulse, it's going to be a long season because they couldn't score a lick. They could not. All right, let's head over to the West. Uh, Wisconsin is the favorite once again in the West. Bet Online has their over. Oh, I should say before I get into that, Rutgers was listed as over and under one and a half. They'll be lucky to get. Uh, They'll find it- a way to push that. Yeah, they'll, uh, they'll somehow get a tie, even though you can't have a tie in uh, college football. Uh, yeah, Wisconsin, they'll figure it out. Uh, the Wisconsin Badgers are the favorites yet again in the West. Uh, their over-under is only actually six and a half, which to me is a little bit low, considering that Bet Online is considering the Big Ten title game a regular season game. So that means basically that we, if assuming that Wisconsin is the champ of the West – they're predicting them to be like six and two heading into the title game. And that seems a little bit unreasonable, even with Jack Cohn 
uh, sidelined for the foreseeable future with a foot injury. The future uh, coach is bright at the quarterback position. Graham Mertz, who is now a redshirt freshman, will get the start, who was the number two quarterback in prospect in the country in the class of 2019. And people are jazzed. I don't jazzed who what, what what is this 1987 <laughs> like throwing up jazz hands <laughs> i mean i don't know i you know I, obviously i'm a badger i'm a badger fan and grand march just transferred to rutgers <laughs> uh well it, it could be worse he could transfer back to his home state of kansas yikes uh but no i i mean <laughs> coach I mean, skylar Tom- skylar thompson is out so at but, kansas state not yeah. not 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 uh not ku um yeah, but coach you know do you think the badgers should be the favorites again going into the season for yeah the no doubt no doubt i mean until until somebody knocks them off until somebody proves that they can knock them off yeah absolutely i mean i i know they lose some guy named jonathan taylor and quintess yeah, he was okay he was all right um but uh you know wisconsin has shown the distinct ability to not only recruit but replace you know stars and especially stars at the running back position where they just keep cranking out talent after they just cr- keep cranking out back after back after back after back. I mean, I, I don't think there was, a, was there a year where there wasn't an all American running back uh, since Ron Dane? I, I don't e. know. Hill? <laughs> <laughs> but like, I, I don't know if they, there ha- definitely hasn't been a year where they haven't had a thousand yard rusher in like 25 years. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, I mean, it, it's, it's a thing of beauty. I mean, they, they make 32 personnel cool. Oh, it's so cool. And you know what? Fullback is deep, baby. They have three scholarship fullbacks, all who are going to see the see the field this year. Mason Stocky, John Chanel, and Quan Easterling. Man, they 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 have got some they got some big boys back there. Uh the position I'm actually weirdly worried about is middle linebacker this year. They have two thumpers in Jack Sanborn and Leo Chanel, the fullback John Chanel's uh, little brother, who is an absolute hoss. He put up 225 pounds on the bench 44 times as a true freshman. Yeah, Matt. I mean, look, losing Zach Vaughn and Chris Orr, they were great linebackers. But barring... COVID-related uh, <laughs> departures or what have you, at least on paper, 18 of the top 20 tacklers are back for Wisconsin. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, they lost some heavy hitters, but... It's actually... The, uh, it, it's 17 of the, top, of the top 20 now because Reggie Pearson is academically ineligible. So, well, so, Matt, let me ask you a question. Did Jim Leonard leave? Nope. Okay, you'll be fine. There you go. Yeah, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Leonard, I... I have full faith in the thing I'm worried about, though, Wisconsin, man, like always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Wisconsin coach. I hate to say this. Wisconsin is the Georgia of the Big Ten. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Um, you're absolutely right. They're, they're always no, I think, there. But I think I was I think I was more of the Georgia. They were until Georgia fired James Coley. So you're up. You're next. <laughs> um, so no, that's a great comparison because they're always in the Big Ten title game, but they always finish second to. Ohio State, who is the Alabama of the Big Ten. So um, I think it's a great comparison. Um, you know, I, I think that they, they've just got to find, you know, they, they're not going to out-talent Ohio State. That just, that's just not going to happen. Uh, so they got to find, you know, teams like that have to find ways to win. I mean, Georgia thought they could out-bully uh, and out-Alabama, Alabama, which is not possible. So Georgia made some changes, and Georgia hung with them for a little while. Um, and then I think, uh, 
you know, the five ten walk on quarterback uh, started panicking a little bit in the second half and turned the ball over a lot, and that that was the difference in the game. So, um, but they they were finding different ways to score. They were, you know, their their philosophy on offense is a lot different now. Um, but Wisconsin's going to have to find a way to make what they do traditionally work for what they do in this modern era. And I think yeah, Grant well, Mertz is Grant Mertz is a perfect guy for this. Exactly like that, and that's the difference. Now that they have the be- high four star quarterback coming in to you know the kid who is you know 6'5", 225 with a, with a howitzer attached to his right shoulder so, yeah. we'll, so we'll, it's going to be fun to watch because you're going to get it you're going to get a heavy dose of 32 personnel and 22 personnel but you're also going to get a great spread attack that's uh, that's attached to it as well and i think that you know i think that joe rudolph has his uh, has his work cut out for him uh, as far as trying to find some explosive plays for for what they do and you know, I, I think that uh, it's going to be very important for um, for the running back position to really step up. I mean, you know, here's another similarity. You know, you lose a superstar running back. Um, obviously, uh, Jonathan Taylor was uh, slightly better than uh, DeAndre Swift, but um, you know, both you, pretty darn good. Both pretty darn good, and you lose all of that production. And for the first time, uh, Georgia doesn't. Re- Georgia did not return a, a running back that rushed for a thousand yards. And I think Wisconsin's in the same scenario. So yeah, they, they're going to have know. to find somebody to, to, to step up and see kind of who the best fit is. And it might be a committee approach at first until they find out. Oh, it's that, definitely going to be a committee guy. of Garrett Groshek, the, uh, you know, the Richard senior, former walk on high school quarterback who does a little bit of everything on my, uh, on my depth chart season preview. I talked about that. He'll probably get the most snaps, but Nakia Watson, who is now a redshirt sophomore will probably get the most rushes and rushing attempts the guy that a lot of people though are really excited to see Jalen Berger two true freshman out of New Jersey uh, we, Wisconsin has had a history of New Jersey running backs Ron Dane Anthony Davis Corey Clement Jonathan Taylor and Berger's just the next line in a, in in super talented running backs from New Jersey to come to Wisconsin who could do really really big things I would not be surprised if he breaks out and you know is getting a lot of snaps midway through the season. Uh, what school to, is he from in Ramsey? Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head. Is that is that where Paramus Catholic is? Uh, yeah, uh, yes, he is from Paramus actually. Okay, that's a great program. So you'll, you'll, yeah. Um, so we need to keep moving on though. Next, uh, Minnesota, um, uh, the Golden Goofs are slated as an over under at six regular season wins. Josh, uh, PJ Fleck uh, is still rowing the boat up there. Uh, you know, they've got Rashad Bateman back. So, you know, they, they've definitely got some talent out there at wide receiver and who was opted out and now has opted back in. Uh, what can Minnesota do to push the Badgers in the West? Well, it starts with that offense. You know, you mentioned Bateman, but also Tanner Morgan, their quarterback, really efficient. Um, as I was prepping my notes, I loved this. Uh, go for sixth in the nation in yards per completion. They loved the big play. They really stretched you downfield. The offense should be 12th, pretty good. They were 12th in finishing drives, too, on offense. Yeah, yeah that offense should be really good. Uh, defense is going to have some new faces, but, yeah, I, I think that the Gophers could just do like they did last year and ride big plays to some big wins. We saw that against Penn State. We saw that against Wisconsin. Oh, they return their entire offensive line. And, and, you know, when you can have that 
and this and continuity within the coaching staff it, it, that that's a recipe for success you have a veteran coming back at quarterback Rashad Bateman said this is looking pretty appealing so I'm, I'm jumping back in the boat and I'm gonna grab the oar and I'm gonna start rowing again um you know let's look at the tight end position you know we we look at tight ends in this uh in this league you know they're gonna have to lean on uh Jake Jake Paulson, the junior, um, and then Brevin Span Ford. I, I think those are two guys to to watch for as they emerge as targets that are opposite of Rashad Bateman. And you're going to see some guys get opportunities because of Rashad Bateman. Uh, and and so I, I'm excited to watch this offense. I you know despite how cheesy we think PJ Fleck is or whatever you want to say about him, his offense is getting it done. Let's just put it that way. And and you know. To, to be to be object completely objective about it his offense is, is doing doing really well and uh, you know and I would say the same thing if I was talking about Georgia Tech and 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 I would be you know I would give them credit where credit is due they don't get much of that right now though but, well I can't be objective it, about it, them it, well Matt the, the other thing too is you gotta love their schedule they open with Michigan at home We've already talked about how Michigan is you know, on paper has some pieces, but we're not sure how everything will work. Then they travel to Maryland, who we've talked at length about. Their defense was atrocious last year, so you got to like them in that one. Then they go to Illinois, who we'll talk about here shortly. Host Iowa, host Purdue, at Wisconsin, no crowd, so Camp Randall won't be jumping around on November 28th. And then they end with Northwestern and at Nebraska. I mean, there's a very real chance that if they split the Michigan and Wisconsin game, they don't lose any other game on their schedule. Like, you know, we went chalk with the East. There's a lot to like about this Gopher team. And if you're looking for someone to shake things up and get to the Big Ten title game, who we don't always expect to get there, the Gophers would be that team. Yeah, obviously Wisconsin and Ohio State being the chalk, but you know Minnesota definitely has uh, has a pretty I don't want to say easy path, but they have a a, a, a pretty manageable path to Indianapolis. Advantageous. Uh, ooh, but they they've got to get over that Wisconsin hurdle. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, didn't that, they beat them last year? Two years ago. Two years ago. La- last year. Recent. Yeah. Um, but what- but once every once every blue moon is not getting over the hurdle. True. Yeah, I mean that 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 that's twice in twenty years. That that's like that's <laughs> like saying, yeah, Kentucky finally beat Tennessee. They're over the Tennessee hurdle. Not. Nah, I, <laughs> I mean, yeah, the, yeah. May, maybe they, nah. they cleared that one hurdle, but in, nah. in, the, in the steeplechase, that's really not. You know, you know, yeah, you're, you're doing you, that you more. Cleared than one. Once. You cleared one hurdle and got smacked in the face by the next two. So, <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> or the previous two, however you want to look at it. But yeah. Uh, Josh, um, you know, speaking of hurdles, uh, mm-hmm. Brian Ferentz is coaching. Um, what? Iowa. <laughs> Iowa is uh, not great. Seamless. Nothing Nothing to see here, folks. Move except, along. Except really boring, uh, discombobulated, disjointed offense. I know how that feels, uh, Josh. I really do. Yeah. So, Josh, give me the lowdown of the Hawks this year. New quarterback. Okay. Uh, you know, um, new, new strength coach. <laughs> <laughs> um, fewer racists, presumably. Presumably. Um, okay, let's do Iowa objectively before going to the off the field stuff. So, objectively speaking, 
outstanding skill position set. One of the best skill position sets Iowa's had in recent memory. The problem is you're passing the keys off to someone brand new. Now, a lot of people love Nate Stanley. Nate Stanley won a lot of games. I just saw him, you know, missing the broad side of the barn on too many throws, lacked any sort of touch on deep throws. But he knew the offense. He did fairly good at reading things. He did fairly good at audibling out of some plays. Not nearly as good as you'd expect a senior to do. But it's not for nothing. You're you're taking off a three-year starter who had over 8,000 passing yards. So in classic Ferencian fashion, the backup attempted 10 passes last year. Even in blowouts, if Spencer Petrus got on the field, he was not allowed to throw at all. Um, there's a redshirt freshman. There's also a true freshman who had some buzz, uh, Deuce Hogan and Alex Padilla. Um, Padilla's the redshirt. Hogan's the true fresh. Yeah, maybe we see them. I don't know. But that's the great question mark is the quarterback. Uh, offensive line's always pretty solid at Iowa. Um, the defense is going to have a lot of new faces. Uh, the top three playmakers in that backfield, the defensive backfield are gone. Um, seven overall defensive players also gone. So you would trust defensive coordinator, Phil Parker works some things out and the defense doesn't fall off a cliff. Uh, special teams might be the best in the big 10. Uh, kicker Keith Duncan, I love this stat. Uh, he was asked to attempt 18 field goals of more than 40 yards a season ago. Any guess on how many he made? How many did he attempt again? 18. Made 14. You nailed it, Coach. Nice. Uh, I was, so I, I was going to say 13, so yeah. Yeah, so uh, Brian Ferentz can have a classic Ferencian drive of 20 yards but for <laughs> but if it if it's if like it's anywhere yeah if it's anywhere near field goal range Iowa can get some points uh Imar Smith Marset really good kick returner so you love their special teams you love their skill position do they have a quarterback who can carry the keys at least somewhat does a defensive emerge those are the big question marks that's the preview if Iowa didn't have hands down the worst offseason in college football. Um, what is the mindset of these players? Do they, you know, circle the wagons a la your Buffalo Bills, Matt, and say F you Josh, the rest Josh, of the world? Josh, they, pos- they can't because no nobody yeah. circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. But do they come out with an edge and say, you know, F you to everyone else and they probably really hard or are their fingers being pointed in that locker room and we see a major rift between coaches and black players and, you know, if you're another player in that locker room who is like caught in a crossfire, what's their mindset? So look, I mean... I've said it on the previous shows. The initial players talked a lot about Chris Doyle. I was good with them dumping him. 
Uh, I sort of felt like Ferenc had a little TBD with them. This letter is pretty bad. I mean, there, there's no way to put it. If if you have a football policy where players aren't allowed to have certain haircuts and the haircuts are all, oh, I don't know, afros, cornrows. It's like, well, gee, that doesn't really affect Nate Stanley. <laughs> if If you're having a policy about you can't have certain tattoos or display a lot of tattoos. Well, let's be honest. Ever since Allen Iverson totally changed tattoo culture, tattoos have been an important part of youth culture, especially for black people. So it's hard to say those policies impact whites and blacks the same. BS. No, they don't. So if that is true, what those players are alleging in that letter, that is a major major, major red flag of Kirk Ferentz. On top of that, they allege comments made by Brian Ferentz. Now, Brian Ferentz, let's be fair, his egregious coaching deserved to be fired outright. I mean, this is just hopefully another final nail in the coffin. The problem is Iowa has a retiring president who doesn't really care, who was from the business world. That was That's what he did before. He doesn't really care about the academics of the university. He doesn't care about the appearance of the university as long as it's making money. You have Gary Barta, the athletic director, who is all about making money. And football has made him a lot of money. So he doesn't give a shit. Um, he has actually lost money in terms of lawsuits. Gary Barta, athletic director, was sued and lost at court for essentially firing a female coach because she was a lesbian. He deliberately cut programs with COVID that he was like, well, it's because we're not having the football season. And then the football season comes back. It's like, are you bringing them back? And he's like, uh, no. Not for nothing, if you're looking for a pattern, two of the sports he cut have extremely high representation of gay male athletes. So this is a pattern of Gary Barta being a disgusting human being. This university is an increasing embarrassment every time I see a headline. And am I going to watch the football season? Yeah, because I'm a Neanderthal. Am I going to like be heartbroken over losses like I have been in the past? No, I don't really give a shit. Preach. I mean, I don't, I don't think we need to say anything more about Iowa coach. So let's move on to uh let's move on to nebraska and uh nebraska the first two seasons under scott frost have been a little bit uh underwhelming and they're only slated for over under four wins this season uh coach what do you think they can do to you know to right the ship there in lincoln um find a way to grant lifetime eligibility to adrian martin no i don't know um (laughs) they're going to uh i mean they've They've got a rough go at it. I, I think Scott Frost uh, kind of uh, – I feel like at times he probably regrets signing on at Nebraska because he didn't realize how terrible it was and how terrible Mike Riley left it. Um, it was in bad shape. It was kind of – like Nebraska is kind of like what Butch Jones left at Tennessee. It was brutal uh, yeah, as far as – The cupboards were barren. And, and it's not like you're sitting in the southeast with uh, – you know, 
five great states surrounding you that you can that you can recruit out of, including your own home state, which is drastically improving year by year. Nebraska, I mean, aside from getting whatever they can get in Texas or Oklahoma, there's not much for them to recruit for. So it's going to be like a much harder project for them to rebuild. I mean, you don't feel good about the Dakotas. I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, you got Carson Wentz, you know, if they can find another Carson Wentz, maybe or Trey Lance or Trey Lance. Yeah. But those guys are, would actually rather stay at North Dakota state than go yeah. to Nebraska. <laughs> The Fargo Dome, yeah. No, no. what they're going to do is they're going to get Trey Lance on a, instead of going uh, to the NFL, he's going to get a grad transfer and get like a sixth year of eligibility just to go play for the Cornhuskers. Um, yeah, somehow I doubt that. Yeah, no, no. Um, but, I mean, it, the, the point of that is is saying that, you know, Nebraska used to be able to rely on, you know, they used to be able to recruit nationally because they could rely on Tom Osborne and his national reputation and the reputation that – they were a strong program. They ain't that anymore. You know, Lincoln. No, Nebraska. because like kids growing up these days, Josh, like they did not grow up with Nebraska as a national powerhouse. When was the last time Nebraska won a national title? Twenty five years ago, nineteen ninety five. And if you have a choice between Austin, Texas, and Lincoln, and Lincoln Nebraska. Nebraska, or if you have a chance, or even I'll go a step further. If you have a chance to go to a big city, like. I would even venture to say that I would probably rather go to Minneapolis or Chicago over uh, Lincoln, Nebraska to, to play at Northwestern or to play at Minnesota. Like, cause there's more to do. Yeah. There, 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 there really is not a whole lot to do there. In, I mean, in, in Lincoln, I mean, Josh, you know, we've been to games there. It's, you know, outside of the stadium, they're not, there's not a whole lot else. Yeah, I mean Lincoln. Lincoln is, I think, my second least favorite trip in the Big Ten. West After Lafayette, Purdue, yeah. Yeah, West Lafayette's easily the worst. Um, just Purdue's in, in a teeny, teeny, tiny town. Uh, Lincoln at least has restaurants. But yeah, I mean, you, you talk about the national title. Well, I mean, if Nebraska had a few close calls. You could be like, well, okay, so they had some bad luck. Their last title was in 95, but you know, last close call, we're approaching the 20th anniversary of that 01 team that got worked by Miami. Worked in the they BCS. That game was over. <laughs> I mean, game was over by the first quarter, man. That that they I got mean, sh- they got shelled. I mean, Eric Crouch is in his 40s, just to make at least myself feel old. Yeah, I know. I was a senior in high school when that when that game took place. Yeah, that was uh, you know I was a yeah I mean that means I was a sophomore. So <laughs> well, I'll, I'll I'll end this with Nebraska. So they started at 2018 Scott Frost's first year four and eight, but their four wins all came in the back stretch. They went four and two down the back stretch. So you're kind of like okay. Things started terribly, but they finished strong. They're just like Tennessee. Well, in 2019, this is why people have such a bitter taste in their mouth because 2019, they went five and seven. On paper, they improved by a win, except it was reversed. Their final uh, six games, they went one and five. 
So this Nebraska team, we really don't know if they're improving or not. And you sort of see that with Taylor Martinez being announced as their, their starting quarterback. And you're just kind of like, uh, him again. Okay. Okay. Let's, let's roll it back and just see what happens. Yeah. So, um, all right, well, let's move on then Josh to your least favorite city in the big 10 West Lafayette, Indiana, uh, the Purdue Boilermakers, uh, their coach is in quarantine. Their team is slated for over under three and a half wins. And you know what, you know, at least you're not quarantined in West Lafayette. (laughs) I'll say this about Purdue. Probably one of the reasons why I have such a distaste for those trips is it is the only stadium with the Rose Bowl that I'm 0-3 at in games. I've yet to see a win in Pasadena or in West Lafayette. Um, here's the thing with Purdue. Um, yeah, they still have Rondell Moore. They still have some nice pieces, but uh, it's just... I thought Rondell Moore opted out. I can't remember now. This is what happens when it's 10 o'clock and Josh has fallen asleep. Um, but yeah, like the problem yeah, he's, is... He's opted, yeah, he's he opted, opted out. out. Well, then yeah. that's, that's, it makes things even worse. But what I was going to highlight, even if he, if he had stayed in, what I was going to highlight was... They seem to have like one or two players that make you excited and everything else just hasn't fallen into place. Now they've had a rash of injuries. Quarterbacks been hit hard the last few years, but the the problem is that Brom did so well his first year that you thought it was going to come really easy. And he's now coming off a four and eight season um some of the fans haven't been enjoying him putting family members on his staff seems like his recruiting hasn't been as uh enthusiastic as it was when he first got there once he got a big contract and i love this from the espn preview they, they said that uh brom will begin the season sideline after testing positive for the coronavirus which could bring with it unknown effects but considering how competitive the boilermakers still manage to be for much of 2019, it seems likely that they should resume a top 50 or higher level of play. Um, how many Division One FBS teams are there again? Uh, there are 130. So top 50 doesn't seem like that high of a aspiration. No, right that, that, that means like you're in like the top 40%, basically. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it, it it it's not it, it's not great. It's not great, uh, Coach. The 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 two teams from the state of Illinois are going to round out the rest of the Big Ten: Northwestern and Illinois. Northwestern over under three and a half wins. Illinois uh, at, at you know at the bottom with over under three wins. You know, anything good you can say about either of these teams this season? Uh, Illinois has cool looking uniforms. Do they though? I, I, mean, I mean, they're better like, than Northwestern. Northwesterns are hideous. It's a good color combination, at least. Uh, I, I like the helmets with the eye. Um, <laughs> let's see. So, so they'll look good while they're losing, is what you're telling me. Yeah. So let's look at their advanced stats here. Uh, their efficiency on offense, 115th. On defense, 58th. 
Uh, field position, they were ranked 32nd in field position. Uh, defense, 43rd. So they're at least achieving good field position, which is helping special teams. Um, explosiveness, they were ranked 116th, so they can really only go up. Um, defense ranked 60th, uh, so middle of the pack, not bad for a bottom feeder. Uh, finishing drives, um, well, they 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 finished what little drives they had. They ranked 63rd uh, on offense. Defense, they ranked 42nd in, in uh, finishing drives and getting off the field, which is – not bad, better than I expected. And adjusted turnover margin, they ranked uh, their projected uh, versus their actual. Uh, I don't know how to read that stat, but um, you know, I, I think that when you look at it, they have uh, a good bit of experience coming back on offense. Nine starters, so you have to think things will get better. Quarterback Brandon Peters is a senior veteran leader, uh, so you have to believe that they will see a slight uptick in production. How much of an uptick? Probably not much, but. You know, you'll you'll see something. Uh, you'll see them be a little bit more competitive. They re, they return uh, of those nine starters on offense. You have three offensive linemen, including their center, which is uh, the quarterback of the O line. Uh, Matt, you kind of know a little bit about uh, centers. They they return three wide receivers um, with a ton of experience. Uh, Josh in here, however, lay uh, <laughs> as a senior. Uh, Donnie Navarro and Ricky Smalling. These names in the Big Ten are killing me. Um, there's no like Ricky Smiths or Devontae Smiths or you know Jalen Waddles. It's all it, like th- this one big like the Big Ten would kill in Scrabble. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, just to tie a bow on things. Special teams will be fun for Illinois. Let's just put it yeah. that way. Just, just to tie a bow on things, you know, Illinois coming off a bowl, they got some decent pieces they they hired a st louis area high school coach to help with recruiting they got some four-star kids out of the area um so illinois is a team where i think i think they could steal a game here too i don't think they're hopeless northwestern their offense absolutely atrocious here they averaged 6.9 points per game against a bunch of power five uh, power conference team, excuse me, to start the year. Their, their offense was dreadful. 122nd in offensive SP plus. And um, well, Fitz decided to do something he doesn't really do because he's quite the loyal coach. He dumped Mick McCall, much to the praise of all the Northwestern fans. Their defense is going to be good. They got some nice pieces back. Um, Patty Fisher, Blake Gallagher, linebacker, both pretty good players. But the offense can't turn it around overnight, so probably still another long season for Northwestern. Yeah, probably. So, all right, well, that is going to wrap up my uh, – th- that is going to wrap up our Big Ten preview. So uh, let's then – Guys, uh, first of all, I want to say thank you so much for uh, joining us here today on Believe in Badgers. And we will see you guys again very soon on the show. Jump around. Jump around. Jump up, jump up to get down. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.